Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening, and let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me today. We are in for a big treat. Uh, I have on the show today, Mr. Ephraim Shore, Barry Shore, who is about one of the most unique people you could ever imagine to meet. Uh, He is a serial entrepreneur who's built many successful businesses, but you won't know that, and you don't find that out until I directly ask him. Um, What he is, is someone that is consistently going around the world and preaching messages of love and positivity and how your mind is the greatest asset in terms of you reaching your goals and looking at the world from a positive uh, direction and a positive perspective. And what's amazing is that unlike a lot of people, or maybe like a lot of people, right, he has not had an easy life in the sense that he found himself completely paralyzed in 2004 um, and has rehabilitated himself through the power of his mind in a lot of, in a lot of ways. He is still dealing with certain challenges in terms of, of, of his mobility, but he, it hasn't stopped him. And it hasn't stopped him. It not only has it not stopped him, it has empowered him that he can consistently, for every single type of person out there, preach and speak about messages of joy and happiness and love and how to feel good about yourself, and it's and it's just shocking because you know there's no there's no program there's no uh, you know five step process whatever it might be it's just a shift it's a mindset shift it's what's going on between your 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 two ears and that is such an, a crucial lesson that whereas so many of us think that if only I would have accomplished X. I would feel why? No. The answer is once I get my mind in the right place and 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 intrinsically can feel good about life and and who I am, that's all you need. And everything else that you do on top of it, right? Any actions you do or relationships you have or stuff like that, that's only going to build on what's already fantastic. But starting with fantastic, that's just getting your mind right. So with no further ado, Ephraim Shore. Amazing. Uh, Ephraim Shore, thank you so much for joining me today. We go back uh, quite a ways to the uh, the glorious days in Westwood, Kihila in uh, Los Angeles. Um, but you have an absolutely unbelievable story that, thank God, is getting a lot of press. Um, and it's a story of tremendous uh, overcoming adversity. And if a person just hears your message and doesn't appreciate your background, they miss out on like most of the story because most people think, well, if I have X, Y, and Z, I'll be happy. But in reality, it's not about the life, it's about the mindset. So maybe if you could just give me a little bit of backdrop on your story and how you came to where you are today, and then maybe we'll go into some of your amazing lessons. Good morning, beautiful, bountiful, beloved, immortal beings. And good-looking people. And you know why I can say you're good-looking? Because everybody here is looking for and finding the good. And talk about good, Rabbi Jacob Yaakov Rupp. First of all, a big thank you to Rabbi Jacob Rupp. Anything that comes out of here that's good, he gets the credit. I'll have the cash, but he gets the credit. (laughs) The real good news here is that we are here in this dynamic wondrous world that is facilitated by something called Zoom, 
which enables us to interact with each other and spread the message of joy, happiness, peace, and love. So to answer directly your question, Jacob, yes, the reality of life is that the mind is the master. And when one understands or begins to understand that mind is the master, and you work with that and build up that muscle, because it's just like another muscle on your being, but it enables everything else in your life to grow. And that's what we all love. Everybody loves to look at a flower. But everybody also knows that that flower is at one time a seed, right? A tiny seed. It had to be put into the ground, and then something remarkable happened. It had to be disintegrated into the ground. The outside part of the seed was literally attacked by the acids in the earth to break the shell to enable that seed to start doing what it does, which is grow. And then it had to break through the earth. And that took a lot. If we could hear what was going on between that plant breaking through the earth and the earth, we'd hear, like being in the gym when you're, you know, bench pressing 180 pounds. But then you come out and there's sunlight. And the plant looks around, there's one frail stalk. And it looks and it feels the sun and sees the sun. And it recognizes, of course, the plant doesn't have a mind, talking about a human being, but the plant recognizes and feels the sunlight and recognizes what? I'm here to fulfill my purpose. What's my purpose? To grow and to unfold and to be beautiful. So people can walk by and say, look at that gorgeous flower. That is just a plant. Imagine the human being. You know what a human being is, Wonderful Jacob? A human being is a star. Now, you know, because we've known each other for many, many years, that I love working with things called acronyms. Acronyms, of course, is the first letter of each word or phrase to create an idea. And my upcoming book, which we publish, God willing, in the end of May, is called Reframing the Art of Living. So one of my more favorite ideas is something called recognizing that you're a star. You, Jacob Rupp, are a star. What's a star? A star is sunshine transformed and reformatted. Because your whole being functions because of the sun. (laughs) All the cells in your body, when you go outside, you feel the sunshine. You just expand your consciousness, your mindset. You feel good. Happens differently when it's no sunshine. But you don't shrivel up and die. What you do is you recognize that there will be sunshine again. That's what you are. You are sunshine. That ray of light that came from the sun 93 million miles away. By the way, Jacob, here's a fun thing to do with your kids one time. Ask your kids. You go on a hike and you're up in a sort of a promontory and you can look out and say over the ocean because you're in San Diego or someplace with sort of a vista. And ask them, how far can you see? How far away do you think you can see? What's the farthest distance? They might say a mile, two miles, three miles, five miles, whatever it is. It's a long way, right? And you reckon, tell them, you want to hear how far I can see? And I think you can match it also. 
I can see 93 million miles away. <gasps> Daddy, how do you do that? Look at the sun. The sun is 93 million miles away, and we can see it. That's a long distance. So when you recognize that what you can see is far beyond what you think you can see, now you've expanded your consciousness. Now, dig this one. Everybody knows, or we think we know, because all we know is stuff we heard and learned in a textbook. What's the speed of light? The speed of light is, what, 186,000 miles per second, right? I would call that fast. <laughs> now, you're riding on the freeway, and you're going at 60, 70 miles an hour, and all of a sudden, a really fast car passes you at 85, 90, 100. Wow, that's going fast. That's not fast. 186,000 miles a second, that's fast. But since the sun is 93 million miles in a distance, it means it took, you ask your kids to hold out their hand and say, you see that sunbeam that's sitting on your palm? That took eight and a half minutes to get here. Eight and a half minutes to get there. Without traffic, of course. <laughs> so think how far you can go in eight and a half minutes on a freeway. That's a long distance, right? That's how long it took. Or you tell them, hey, we're going to hike and we're going to count off and see about the next eight and a half minutes how far we get. That's how long it took that one beam of light to get from the sun to their hand. And now you're expanding their whole idea of what it means to be alive. <laughs> you're alive. How's that for an answer to your question for the first question? It's great. How did you how did you develop this mindset? What was your process like in your own life? Um, I have to do something unusual, everybody. Whoever's listening to this, Jacob is such an insightful, interesting guy. And I mean insightful S-I-G-H-T. <laughs> I mean that was an insightful question, C-I-T-E also, but that is, uh, thank you, that's a great question. Well, I can tell you two things. Number one, I have been blessed in my life. I'll tell you two small stories. One story actually happened when I was eight years old, maybe seven and a half, seven and a half, eight. Uh, and it happens to be uh, somewhat apropos now, because we're sitting here in Southern California, right, Jacob? Yeah. Uh, it's beautiful. The sun's shining at 60-plus degrees. But we know that at this very moment, January 30th, 2019, uh, in a lot of the country, they are experiencing not just cold weather, bone-chilling cold weather, right? Yeah. And it may even be raining in some place and the snowing and all kinds of stuff. So imagine I'm seven and a half, eight years old. I'm in Boston, Massachusetts, where I grew up. I'm looking out the window, and it is cold and raining, and there's snow and slush, and it was sort of dark outside. That's a regular winter day in Boston, right? right. And I'm looking out the window. I mean, I'm hesitant to say the words I'm going to say because I haven't used them in probably seven, uh, 63 years. <laughs> I look outside and say, Oh, what a horrible day. <laughs> now, at that moment, my wonderful Auntie Edie, my dear beloved Auntie Edie, who's no longer with us, but I'm saying in her name, she's be a blessing. She comes over and she taps me in the shoulder and says, Bear she, that's what she called me. Bear she, 
do you realize how wonderful the rain is and what the snow does and how fabulous it is and it covers the ground and it insulates it and it allows everything to be growing again in the springtime that's just so fabulous. And she, ah! <laughs> but she changed my eyesight. I was able to begin to see with different eyes. I can tell you, quite honestly, I've never spoken those words again. Mm. <laughs> I look outside, I don't care what it is. It's beautiful. It's a wonderful day in the neighborhood, said Mr. Rogers. That was one story. The other is, in my humble opinion, even more powerful in the sense that it is part and parcel of my very life. And this is a question that's been asked me often uh, when I get an opportunity to speak, which is somewhat frequently these days about my particular journey, which we'll talk about in just a moment from the fact that I was uh, paralyzed completely <clears throat> a number of years ago, much better today. So I'm asked the question, how did you have the strength to get through this and grow with this and see it as a positive? So I mentioned that it's all due to my mother. My wonderful sainted mother, may her name be a blessing, Kaya My mother is, I say is, because <laughs> she's still with me, uh, the most bountiful, beautiful, expressive, loving being that I ever had the pleasure of interacting with. But it's my mother, you say. No. Mm -hmm. Not always is mom like that. But mom was like that. Um, my mother was, uh, during the time we were growing up, she wanted to get a job. She did volunteer work, but she wanted to get out of the house and work also. So there was a store nearby us. It happened to be a large store. And they had something in those days, Jacob, called a courtesy booth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is where customers could come and uh, make complaints. But they were smart enough to call it a courtesy booth. And who did they hire for the courtesy booth? My mother, because she was the expression of joy, happiness, peace, and love. I mean, and she was given an award by the owner of this supermarket chain, which was really large. He knew us personally, came to our house, uh, quite an amazing man himself. And he gave an award to my mother because he told everybody at the award ceremony, this woman made me millions of dollars <laughs> simply because she knew how to smile. She elevated the sales in the store because of her being. But here's what gets amazing, ready? Hold on everybody. My mother had a red wine stain on three quarters of her face. Wow. Now, it's hard for people to understand, but I just made that move. A red wine stain on three quarters of her face and a little bit pockmarked also. Here's where it gets amazing. My mother wore fairly thick makeup. Pan they called it pancake makeup in those days and such. You're going back now, what? I'm 70 years chronologically. So my mother's obviously older than me. So you're going back 87, 90 years. In those days, <laughs> misbegotten days, you know, kids were kids. And it wasn't easy growing up like that. And they didn't have the lasers and all kinds of things. But... She did it. Hey, thank God. My, my father, who was a very uh, dynamic and handsome man, 
fell in love with her, had three kids. I mean, you know, she, and she was a wonderful, expressive woman. She never let it get to her. But here's the point. One time, uh, I remember purposely, uh, specifically, someone came to the house and my mother had somehow removed uh, the pancake makeup and came out of her room and we were in the kitchen and one of my friends said, look at your mother. Wow, what's that? I mean, innocence, right? Yeah, maybe we're 10 years old, 11 years old. My mother didn't get upset. She went back, she was like, okay, put it back on her makeup and such. But I never saw with these eyes my mother with a red wine stain, <laughs> whether she had makeup or not. That was her being came through. It wasn't this. It's only when somebody else saw it. Hmm. Okay, okay, fine, fine. <laughs> Do you hear the difference? This is mind. This is genius. This is power. This is the ability to transcend. There are no barriers. Life is grand. So that's what helped me when on September 17th, 2004, which was the second day of Rosh Hashanah, what now, 14 plus years ago, standing up in the morning, just like everybody, I presume and hope, watching this, regular person, hale, hearty, strong, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. That evening, second day of Rosh Hashanah, Arab Shabbos, I am in the hospital, paralyzed from my neck down. Nothing on my body moved except my mouth. And as my doctors, fond of telling his friends, when I met Barry Shore, all he could do was move his mouth. And so the journey from being completely paralyzed to only partially paralyzed, I move my arms now, I cannot uh, get up out of this chair, except if I push on the arms and push myself up. And I am vertical and ambulatory, albeit with the help of a six and a half foot walking wand made for me by a Zen master, but I still can't walk up a stair by myself or a curb, but, and I have helped 12 hours a day, seven days a week, but hello, you hear my voice? You see the smile? Do you feel the energy? That's because I've been blessed. And I've been able to integrate into the mind and the heart those valuable lessons of seeing with great eyes and experiencing greatness in the form of my mother and my aunt. Well, how's that for an answer, Jacob? It's, 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 a, it's a tremendous answer. Um, I, I wanted to ask if, if, you know, you cited a bunch of lessons that were brought into your life at early stages, at, you know, eight and 10. And then later on in your life, you are experiencing, you know, these trials and tribulations that are, you know, it, it's it you know again it, your perspective is beautiful but but extremely significant was are there moments of despair do you find yourself when you are confronting things that initially seem challenging or or does that does that pop up for you or or have you been able to build your mind into such um a direction that you are perceiving things there's not that momentary, like, oh, man. There's just naturally kind of embracing the blessings as they come. Again, everybody, uh, Jacob Rupp is a, a treasure. 
No, thanks. Okay. Good <laughs> question. Let me, let me just let it uh, sink in before I give an answer so that I can be of benefit while I speak to people. So on the most simple level, and then we'll build on that a little bit, despair has never been part of my vocabulary. Challenging? Hey, that's what life is, right? We're here to give birth to ourselves, as it were. And I've been through a number of challenges. The one I just mentioned to you about being completely paralyzed for the past 14 years and what the processes of regaining part of my uh, abilities to move and such like that. And I'll tell you one or two small stories. But thank God what happened to me early in life, I began to internalize and had, yes, a number of difficulties through the years, obviously. I mean, I'm human. I was a teenager. Oh, hello. <laughs> and I was not just a teenager. I was deeply involved in a lot of teenage stuff, even in the 60s. I am the 1960s. I was hippie personified. Long hair, dope smoke, pinko fat, Jew bastard. Oh, sorry, but that's what we used to be called. <laughs> I've been through stuff. Lots of stuff. All good. So here's the interesting process. All good. I mean, it's so Jewish. And I grew up passionately Jewish, not observant in the traditional sense of a kippah-wearing Jew. Passionately Jewish in the sense of understanding or beginning to understand that there is a creator, that he and she, because the sheen is, a, is feminine, exist, love me, want the best for me, and working with me <laughs> to bring out the best, like that seedling growing. So I'll, I'll give you an example, a, a recent history example, if I may. When I was in the hospital, so this was, let me see, I went in September 17, 2004. So many, many things happened. But again, just bear in mind that I am a quadriplegic. Nothing on my body moved. It's not as if I could get up in the morning and put my feet over the side of the bed and say, okay, well, I got something going on. No, <laughs> there ain't nothing there. Uh, and in the first several weeks of the process, uh, it was all about trying to find out what exactly I have, which was called Guillain-Barre syndrome, GBS for the cognoscenti. You can look it up. It's um, quite interesting phenomenon. It's something that attacks the peripheral nervous system. Uh, fu funny enough, I mean, funny in a good sense, what happens with this thing called GBS, it's, it's also called French polio, is that 5% of the people that get it die. So I didn't die. Very good. Uh, 80 to 85 percent of the people who get it within six to 12 months of having something like it of various stages. Not everybody gets full quadriplegia. Some get hands, feet, different stuff. But within six to 12 months, the body actually rebuilds, and you would never even know they had anything. They don't even know. 95, 100 percent recovery. And then there's five, 10 percent of the people like myself who have residual what they're called. <laughs> Some I was still in a wheelchair. I was in a wheelchair for four years. I was in a hospital bed in my own home for two years. I could not turn over by myself. Many great stories. 
But here's the story in the hospital. In the first three to four weeks, so I'm being moved regularly uh, to do tests and things like that. And they had to pick me up, put me on a gurney, move me, test me, bring me back, et cetera. So there's one particular fellow, a nurse, male nurse, uh, who had been attending me for three, four days. And on the, I think it was the fourth day, coming back, I remember exactly what time of day it was, what day it was and such. But he leans over and he asks me, he says, Mr. Shore, I guess because, you know, I'm older and such, he didn't want to just call me Barry or fry him. Uh, Mr. Shore, do you mind if I ask you a personal question? So I, I could barely speak that. My voice was like this. It's all compromised. I said, sure. He looks down and he said, look, I'm a nurse. I see people in your circumstances very often, unfortunately. How come you're not bitter and angry? I've never met anybody like you. It's paralyzed, not bitter and angry. And I realized at that moment, he was asking me the great existential question, which is, why me, God? Why did you do this to me? But that's not what I was asking. I was asking, why me? I'm just a regular guy. What do you want from me? What is, what's my purpose? What can I do with this now? What am I supposed to do? Look, at that point, I was 55 years old. I had, thank God, been very successful in business, several different businesses. I just sold a business a few years before. I had a great position now. I'm happily married for 27 years, 17-year-old son. I do whatever I want. I'm just life is wondrous. Of course, you know, you have real struggles in life and daily stuff. But dear Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm, now I'm just a bunch of protoplasm. And it was at that moment, wonderful Jacob, that I felt the greatest calm that I had ever felt in 55 years. Completely in his hands. And I resolved I was going to walk again. And I realized at that point that I went mad. And I understood what mad means. Mad means make a difference. That I'm here now to make a difference. Yes, thank God, I always be a giver. I would give to DACA. I gave up my time. I tried to help and such. But all right, that's in the course of life. I'm here now. I realize, he says, hello, Mr. Short. If I am, I need your attention. Go mad. Make a difference. And I said, okay, I'm yours. And thank God from that, we've built some things that are making a difference. So we're going to talk about it if you want me to, if you're going to ask. But that, I think, gives some partial answer to your question that, yes, despair was never part of my vocabulary, and therefore I didn't how should we say, give in to it, I was focusing on the good, channeling the good. I recognized I was a cog, child of God. Wow, we, that's fun. Yes. So I, I, wanted to, I wanted to provide two pieces of, of feedback that stuck out for me. The first one was, I don't know if that, I don't think it was intentional, but um, when I was starting my podcast, so I, you know, most people, thank God, are very open to 
coming on and sharing their wisdom and advice. And one in particular, I also got some rejection as is part of uh, part of life. And one of the people who rejected me was a, was a, a rabbi who had said basically that the whole notion of a podcast is that people already have like pre predetermined answers and they're not going to think about it. So like, what's the point? Just like read a book. And you're the first guest again, whether or not I, I think that there's been a lot of value that's come out, but you're the first person that's taken the time to think through and not to do it, uh, not to feel like you had to speak and, and to take the time. So I wanted to acknowledge that and appreciate that. Um, the second point, which for me stands out and is, is amazing about your story, is that a lot of people and, and your, your track record as a successful entrepreneur was like, you know, is like, you have to dig for that a little bit, um, which, which most people obviously lead with that. But a lot of people have these moments where they wake up and suddenly they're like, oh my gosh, you know, everything I had built up until this point was like, now I have to change the direction of my life. But what I'm hearing from you, and I think gives me a tremendous amount of strength, is the idea that there is a theme throughout your life of joy and positivity. And maybe it means right now you're growing up. Maybe it means you're being a, 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 you know, a kid in the 60s. Maybe it means you're being a successful entrepreneur. Or maybe it means you're an advocate for, for joy as a result of your experiences. But you didn't really have these massive seismic shifts that were pushing around. You had a constant theme of growth and just manifested itself in different areas. Is that accurate? Absolutely correct. Now, as you know, since Jacob is an ordained rabbi, <laughs> that we have a concept in Judaism. By the way, it's not Judaism, because Judaism is a study of Judy. <laughs> Judaism, Yahadus, is that the refuah comes before the makkah. That the, the, uh, how should we, the healing is already in place so that when something happens, you're able to deal with it. You built the muscle. In my particular case, I was blessed, I said many times, with other things like the story of my aunt and my mother and such. But uh, as Jacob knows, we have built something called the Keep Smiling Movement. And um, actually, why don't I just pull out a card? I will pull out a card. Thank you. Here is a card. And if you haven't seen it, well, I'm sure everybody here has seen it. It says, or it doesn't say anything, it reads, Keep Smiling. And of course, the real message is on the back, all the small stuff, and you won't be able to read that on the screen. But the point is that we began distributing these Keep Smiling cards, which are now in 27 languages uh, around the world, I'd say about six years prior to me becoming what other people call ill or sick. And in reality, the distribution of the cards created that channeling of goodness. Because it's all about these four words. Ready? Joy, happiness, peace, and love. Tell the listeners and the viewers, um, how can people find out more about you and your, and your projects and all the important work that you're doing? Thank you. I urge everyone, that means all 17 million people listening to this podcast, go to this site. Ready? www barryshore.com, B-A-R-R-Y-S-H-O-R-E, barryshore.com, and there's lots of things to do there, and it was built for one reason only, to be of benefit to you. 
<laughs> Perfect. Okay, Ephraim, thank you so much for the time. It was such a wonderful pleasure speaking with you. There you have it, folks, another inspiring episode. If you enjoyed this, I ask you to please share this with your friends and to like us over on Rabbi Rupp through Facebook or on YouTube. And the more that we're able to get these important messages out, the more that we can really make an impact in the world. So I encourage you, please, to stay tuned. Uh, We have a ton of amazing speakers coming up and also to tell your friends about it. Thank you very much.